Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. You may have gotten to the point where finances are a bit tight around your house. If you've been digging around in your backyard trying to find extra money, or like me, sending your kids out to the backyard to dig for treasure, then this episode will be a big help. Mark and I want to encourage you to keep digging because there could be big money in your backyard. And if you're wondering exactly where to find this treasure, keep listening, and we will shed some light on exactly where to dig, how far down to dig, and when to stop digging so you can find exactly what you're looking for. That's all I'm going to say for now. You'll just have to listen to the rest of the episode to find out more. And if you need a map, we made a complete ADU treasure map that you can download for free on our website, www.twostewards.ca. That's T-W-O-stewards.ca. And now, let's start digging. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Two Stewards Show. I'm Mark. I'm here with Brent. Hi, Brent. Hi, Mark. And uh, we're going to continue our uh, mini-series on ADUs, Accessory Dwelling Units. So we're going to get a little bit Not more... just any mini-series. This is an exciting one, Mark. Yeah, sorry. It's an exciting one, Brent. I forgot that part. Um, <laughs> it wasn't in my script here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to be asking Brent, the uh, densification expert, um, more about ADU. So last time we talked about uh, some sort of general ideas around ADUs and you know what could work. And um, the, the basic uh, framework that we're going with here is something that we can do as of right. So without having to get extensive uh, variants and, and things like that with the city of public consultation. So uh, basically it would be like a duplex with an accessory dwelling unit in the backyard. That's kind of what we're, um, the framework we're, we're working with here. So Brent, um, yep. yeah, we have questions about zoning and regulations. So we've, I think we've talked about most of that where um, in most cities now in Ontario, you can add a third unit, like an accessory dwelling unit, could be a laneway house, could be a converted garage, whatever, without having to apply for uh, like a variance. What's a variance? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, a variance is just um, when something is uh, not necessarily permitted under the zoning bylaw, right? So the zoning bylaw um, <clears throat> says you can do this and this, and you say, well, we want to do something, but it kind of falls outside the, uh, the, I guess, the letter of the law. Um, and a minor variance is something that is uh, a variance from the zoning bylaw, but it's minor in nature, right? Yeah. Um, so one example is just like maybe let's say your eavesdrops are hanging over the permitted setbacks for the building and you you think well, okay that's just a minor thing right like you know they said the building had to be here we had the building there but now we're sticking over a little bit so um but you still have to go through this public consultation process and it costs money and takes time right <laughs> um, okay what's a setback before we go any further <laughs> and not not like oh man we just hit the <laughs> bell line that's yeah. a real setback yeah or the gas line yeah that is a real setback <laughs> uh no bell's worse it yeah? costs okay. from my days doing uh trenching and directional drilling bell is the worst one it costs I guess you way more money if you're smoking gas could be well worse. yeah i mean it could kill you more <laughs> yeah. but uh <laughs> it'll kill your pocketbook more to hit uh, uh hit a bell line anyways water water flood your house or whatever yeah we had that actually we had we had a one inch water line installed Yep. which is great like one inch that the, the, the pressure like unbelievable yeah. but um so the guy came in and installed like he upgraded the city side of the water line or whatever yeah. and we didn't have the meter installed on the inside yet because our plumber hadn't come back uh -oh. and the guy came back and turned it on like he literally <laughs> just turned the the in, in the, the yard curb, like the basement yeah, the was locked oh. and then he's like something felt funny and i was there and like three minutes went by and like there was like two inches of water in the basement. Like it, it would like the, the literally a one inch copper pipe coming up in the cold cellar yeah. and it was all drywalled and like it made a almost like it chipped the paint off the ceiling in the, in the cold cellar. Cause it literally just shot one inch full velocity. Right. Wow. <laughs> it's like something felt weird. So I just turned it back off and I'm like, okay, good. We went in there and we were just, 
Yeah. We, oh boy. A big pile of towels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's one kind of setback, but yeah, that's uh, a setback. the setbacks we're talking about are yeah offsets setbacks so a setback is um if you have like a structure on your property um and you have a lot line so the boundary of your um lot yep which might not be actually where you think it is but you need a survey to figure that out um the 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 zoning bylaw will specify how far back from the lot line you can build a structure right and um, depending on the density of the area the height of the building or um, various things like your setback might be you know nothing and you can have an attached structure and or it might be you know four feet usually it's more common okay. uh, 1.2 meters i think does that convert yeah yeah um so uh like we've had other properties too where it's it's existing so you think the setbacks will be fine but when you go like we put a dormer on the house yeah right and a dormer is just like you know a little gable sticks out and um it sits on top of the wall of the house but because the new setbacks or whatever the setbacks were, it was two inches off. So we couldn't put the dormer up in, in line with the wall <laughs> unless we had a fire rated window in the dormer because it's too close to the lot line. Oh, so fire, the could, other house. fire could jump yeah. across, but it was like two inches. But that's the sort of thing where you never really know until you get into it. Yeah. Um, so setbacks are important. And especially when you're doing an accessory dwelling unit where... Um, like for example if you're converting a garage so a lot of people are looking at that if i buy a house with a garage i convert it um if the existing garage is too close um uh, you might have to get a variance right yeah it's not like you're just going to pick up your garage move it like no. some garages you can actually probably just pick up <laughs> you just push them over actually but i had uh, one like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you still have it no no yeah. no i pushed it over yeah see <laughs> literally uh, <laughs> um Okay, so that's, uh, yeah, so yeah, we're talking about zoning. We just talked about setbacks, but um, zoning laws, so yeah, yeah and, and variances. So you talked about a minor variance, so that's like, you know, a small little yeah, thing. Yeah, otherwise you go for a rezoning, which um, usually that's cost prohibitive to like, and unlikely to be approved unless you're um, doing some quite significant development. Right. where um you know you're converting from let's say uh, an industrial area to residential but the surrounding area is residential and you, you basically have to go to the city it's a lot more uh, involved you have to kind of show the plans that you're going to do um and that's also a public consultation there's an appeal period um and then you need like engineers to kind of um, work you through all the steps uh, yeah it's it's you don't want to do that from like the average investor getting into this stuff like unless you're got big money and you're doing a big development then definitely um, yeah rezoning is a huge way to add value but well from what i've seen you like you probably at that point are hiring someone to represent you to the city as well right yeah like an urban planning specialist or yeah. something yeah because yeah. you're not going to go to the city yourself because they'll yeah. eat you uh, eat you for dinner right exactly uh, well in general, the city, I think, wants more housing. Yeah. But they also want it to be built properly. And they want it to jive with the neighborhood and whatever. They have their list, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you need to get get their comments on what you want to do and then um, provide them with the documents that they're looking for, right? Like in terms of servicing the site, in terms of the land quality, like what are we building on here? Um, you know, is there enough uh, traffic flow? Or is there enough garbage? Whatever, all the different things that the different um pieces or um, departments of the city will look at yeah they'll all want to have their say um, and it's a little maddening right like i was at city hall it's for a uh, lot of a lot of maddening but you know what that's <laughs> actually oh, you could tell your story but that's actually where the values created too right is in doing this, the stuff that nobody else yeah, wants to and, deal with and basically bashing your head against the wall for years and spending money with no return yeah until it works right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was at uh so a hearing for something at city hall and then um or at, at council were you listening or just hearing <laughs> i did a little bit of talking and then a lot of hearing but there were other matters right and one of them yeah. was like this guy trying to get um permits for his uh for a development like a subdivision yeah and um they you know the one they didn't quite reach the right population density but it's because his setbacks were massive because there's a conservation area right and he had it was like a 10 meter setback or something wow. ridiculous yeah 
because of this conservation. So that chewed up like so much of the available land. Yeah. And they were, you know, if the density was supposed to be 42, they were at 37 or something. But it was like a whole big thing. And this was actually to sit to Hamilton City Council where they were debating this. And they had the planning reports and this guy like, I just want to build this thing so that we can have houses for more people. <laughs> and like, you know, and uh, yeah, a whole big thing. Just yeah, for, that's uh, their job, right? Is to ensure that things are built properly or... Yeah, unquote, yeah. but in this case he had... Like, I think the, the guy was there, the developer, but him and his wife, but he had somebody representing him because yeah. he just looked like he would go down there and, like, <laughs> throttle whoever, whoever was uh, thwarting his, his plans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get that because it had been, like, years. So yeah, it could be a bit of an emotional roller coaster if you have a lot of time and money invested and a lot on the line, right? Because people think, oh, like, these big developers. And, yeah, if you're a professional developer, you, you probably have these people in-house and you're doing that, right, yeah. for a living. But, you know, the average person who just kind of scoops a property and wants to develop it like it is yeah it's a learning curve right so yeah do you recommend having someone like that to represent you at city hall or is that not cost effective yeah no definitely depending on the scale right like if you're doing just a severance or something like that you might be able to do it yourself fairly easily but um yeah they're gonna they're gonna give you comments that you you generally like to have a professional answer right even if it's having, <laughs> let's say you're not a, in a professional, professional way. <laughs> okay, what's a severance, Brent? Oh, man. Okay, so severance is if you have a lot and you divide it into two lots or three lots or four lots, um, at a certain number of lots, I think you turn it into a subdivision, but that's right. a different thing, right? Like a site plan or a plan of subdivision. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, severance is a, yeah, a pretty um, attainable strategy, I think, for a lot of people. Anyways, we're kind of like shifting way off the ADU topic, I guess. Uh, well, no, because it does. <laughs> it dovetails. We were talking. It yes, it dovetails like a fine carpentry joint. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, just a you brought it up, and everybody might not know what a severance is. Yeah. But uh, B with an ADU, you may want to do a severance, right? We talked about uh, examples of people really densifying. So yeah. instead of taking that bungalow and making it into a duplex taking that bungalow and tearing it down and then putting up like stacked townhomes or something plus an ADU in the backyard. So that is no longer as of right, right? You, you're going to need to, to, to do a, you know, maybe, maybe it's not a rezoning, but then you would be severing, doing a severance, severing the lots. Yeah. So in this, in essence, you're taking one lot and make it into three or four. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, like you do need more capital to do that. Yeah. um, Because obviously there's, once you get into the development process, there's a longer time frame, so you have to carry the property, and then you have to construct whatever you said you're going to do. You could sell it too, like if you you have permit approved plans. You oh, said, like right, pre-sell, yeah, give you a deposit. Like I have this old house on this old lot, and I just got approvals from the city. Here's all the documents. We're going to sell it as if it's three lots now, and we can build this on it. Um, you know, now it's worth way more, but you don't actually have to do the construction, so you can sell it. Um, but as an investor in real estate, like that kind of is a, 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 it's a more of a shorter term investment, right? Because you're going in, you're buying an asset or whatever that, and then you're developing it and then you're selling it again. So you get your money back out in maybe two, three, four years, depending on the scale. But, um, you know, usually with like people like real estate in part because you can hold it and long term yeah. it grows. So, um, it, like it would require more capital to develop all that, but in the end, you might own like instead of one rental unit, you might own six rental units or ten yeah. rental units, right? Yeah. And then your um, your equity will build over time, because um, yeah, in the, in the case where you get your money back out after four years, that's great. But now what? You got all this you money. Do you got to do it. something else, right? <laughs> so you got to always find the next opportunity. Yeah. Or unless you have something that you know, once I get this cash, I'm out of here. Well, and that's part of the beauty of real estate is that there's so many different niches and yeah. areas. You could yeah. just do that, right? Be a de- developer and sell them or just find opportunities and sell the lots yeah. or develop the lots and sell that or develop them, yeah. sever them, develop them and keep them. Yeah. You know, like so many different. Anyways, we're getting off. Yeah. The, but uh, so the to bring it back to ADUs, um, it's kind of like. ADUs is the strategy that works that um, is 
basically the situation you can do as of right. So to get yeah. back to your original question, path of like least resistance. If you, yeah, if you don't want to develop and spend all these years going back and forth and trying to maximize the value of, um, you know, this tiny little piece of land that you got, um, kind of the highest and best use um, for like the average residential lot um, is you know a duplex with a backyard suite kind of thing or maybe yeah. a triplex or whatever there's there's limits right but you, yeah. like in Toronto you can do five units so you can do four in a, in a house and you can do one in the backyard as of right in uh, in pockets of Toronto so as so, of right yeah wow right so um, now you're up to five plex whereas in uh, Hamilton, I believe anyways, it's three units. So you could do yeah. two and one. Um, I have heard four, but, um, the properties we've investigated, it's always been three. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Interesting. Five. Yeah. But yeah, that's that much more capital as well. Yeah. And time to, yeah, you're not, you're probably not converting an existing house if you're putting yeah. in like four units in the front, yeah. right? You're basically just leaving part of the foundation intact so you can say it's a renovation yeah. and then you're building a new building on yeah. top of it but the land value in toronto is also worth doing that on yeah. right whereas if let's say you're in fort erie and you want to build a <laughs> five box, like yeah you know what the rent might not justify like your your cost of building in toronto and fort erie is the same but yeah um or not the same but it's it's relatively similar right you can pay more for labor but materials are materials and yeah. Um, but your rent is going to be way higher in Toronto, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so it could justify. And people would actually live in a situation like that in Toronto. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're used to being crammed, yeah, crammed exactly. together like it's, sardines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no sardines in, uh, in uh, Fort Erie. No. What a smell to pickerel, I think. <laughs> okay. So that's a little bit about zoning. And as of right, um, getting permits though. So even if you're doing it as of right, you still got to get permits. Yeah. Like what is that whole process like? What is it from <clears throat> very quickly finish. start to finish? What do you so, start with? Um, so if you're just going for an ADU, like ADU is the backyard or detached ADU, right? So um, you're just going for that uh, detached structure. Um, and let's say... Uh, you have an, an idea for what you want. So you're going to need to design it, obviously. So you need a, a designer to, to do the drawings. Okay. Um, you might need an engineer to do some of the foundation work or structural work on those uh, How do you know if you need an engineer? Will the designer tell you? Usually the designer will tell you or they'll, um, you know, have one, right? Um, but, yeah, if, if you, do, you could do the drawings yourself if you own the land and... Um, like the city usually allows you to submit your own drawings. So you can draw them on the back of your napkin and submit it in. But <laughs> it may not <laughs> be allowed. Yeah, it might be a little bit of back and forth. But, <laughs> but no, you are allowed, right? You don't need to be certified as a, a drafts person or a BCIN designer. But you um, should have at least a few extra napkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah just okay. in case. Because you got to revise. <laughs> uh, you will have to revise. Even the most professional... <laughs> Usually there's, you know, if you're a plans examiner, right? The plans examiner is the person you submit the drawings to at the city. If you're yeah. one of those, like, you know, you have to find something wrong, <laughs> right? Like, you don't look like you're doing your job if you don't find anything. <laughs> is it better to leave something, like, really obvious then? I don't know. We've tried it. We've tried it, but I don't... I, they always... I don't know. They gloss over that and they'll find, like, this other <laughs> thing, right? You're like, come on. <laughs> um... But yeah, you don't want to leave too many things. Otherwise, you're yeah, yeah, you're not building something to code anyways. And the inspector will find it, right? That's yeah. the other thing. They always have two lines of defense. They got the plans examiner, and if it passes them, then they have the inspector, and they always catch something, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, but anyway, so you do your drawings. Um, in a lot of cases, you're going to need a survey because you need to know, um, in fact, how big I can build this, right? So the city's going to say, well, like, how big is your lot? Prove it to me. Right, so you got to go and survey the lot like a professional. You can't just in. use like a city, existing city. <laughs> if survey. they have one, yeah, like on record, but you can't just say, "Well, I think it's about this big by this big," and here's the <laughs> thing, right? Like they're going to want to see because the zoning bylaw specifies the setbacks yeah. and the building footprint, right, and the distance from the house um, and the access that you need. Um, you're going to want to have like an actual legitimate survey of where the house is on the lot. Um, and the one we just did, um, they, they wanted a grading plan too, right? So they want to know 
once you put a structure Make in your back, cheese. Yeah, no. <laughs> Make America great again. <laughs> <laughs> For the slope of the land. Oh, the, right. The lay okay. of the land, Mark. Right. Um, <clears throat> so they, they want to know when you put a building in your backyard, where <laughs> where is the water going to flow? Now? Like, is it going to affect your neighbors? Um, because a lot of the times these are... Uh, like in your backyard, the structure could be right up against the fence of the neighbor's property. Right. He might have something going on the other side of the fence and now all the water is running off to him. Right. So they want to see, um, and a lot of the cities are kind of just figuring this out now. Like what do they want? Right. So it might be different depending where you go and when, um, because it is fairly recent that you're allowed to do this. Right. So, um, so we had to do a grading plan and you have to show like, you know, where's the water going to drain? Where's it going to slope? Um, you kind of want to show that, Hey, everything stays on our lot and it yeah. flows to the street. Um, but yeah, it, it could be tricky, right? Like it could be a little bit of back and forth with engineers and that's where like you start paying an engineer to do this or like a, a professional who does the drawings and the city doesn't like it while well, you're into back and forth and, um, it could add up. <clears throat> it's a bit, a bit annoying. Right. But yeah. Cause like the, the person who did the drawings every time they got to revise, yeah, there's change they're, orders. They're going to charge you, right? Yeah. It's not like they're like, oh, well, I'll just redo this for you. Yeah, unless they made an error and that happens yeah. too, right? But, um, <clears throat> And then the other thing is considering like, um, you know, the services to the unit. And that's probably one of the bigger things that, because um, it affects, so it affects uh, like where you can put it, but it also affects the, the primary dwelling, right? So if if you have to go through the primary dwelling for the services, you right. might be into like chipping up the basement floor to connect um, water or sewer, uh, right? Usually hydro, like you can do overhead um, or gas, like depending on if you're putting in gas. Yeah. Um, we decided not to on uh, the unit we just did. We did hydro only. Um, okay, well, they're phasing out gas anyways. Yeah. Well, we figured it was going to save the planet. So (laughs) (laughs) you did your part, Brent. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) So yeah. What services do you need at a minimum to, uh, to the accessory dwelling unit? You said sewer, water, uh, hydro. Yeah. You don't really need service. You just have one of those porta potties out there (laughs) and, or a compost toilet. (laughs) Um, yeah. It depends how much you want to rent it for, I guess. <laughs> Y'all want no, indoor yeah. or outdoor plumbing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do need a sewer line, right? So you're going to need a sanitary sewer going to the unit. Now, can you tie that into the existing yeah. uh, line, like the line for the house that's there, or do you got to go right back to the street? Yeah, so... Um, for water and sewer. So for water and sewer, our experience has been uh, you extend off the existing one, right? So okay. if you have a... The way the city uh, looks at it is it's a single family home on a residential lot with an accessory dwelling unit in the basement and a detached accessory dwelling unit in the backyard. Yeah. So you have one service coming off of the main line. So for the water supply, like your water line, you're going to have, you know, the, the line runs under the street and then you're going to have a water line go to the house. Yeah. And then from there, uh, you could tee it off or have another meter and go to the backyard suite. Right, so you're you're trenching kind of under the house or um, partially under the house, anyways, to get in for the the meter. Right? Yeah, and you're gonna have a meter inside and then have a sub meter, because um, uh, from what I understand, like it's still a little bit confusing with the city because the the water department doesn't necessarily talk to the plans examiners, yeah. zoning, whatever. Like, so they might have one idea, but um, the one we have in the works is you have a meter in the house and then. Um, another line just extends off of that and you have a sub meter for the backyard suite. So we're billing water to the tenants through like an internal invoicing system that has a sub meter, right? So, so they don't gonna, have a separate utility account for water with uh, the water company or with Electra. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, cause they don't want to see like a line come in and then a T and yeah. they want it to go in your house and have a meter, right? As soon as possible. And then, Oh, and then they'll just subtract the difference, kind of. Well, yeah, they just everything's on one bill for them. Oh, and it's up to you to. Yeah, so we so, submeter it to the. Well, tenants. tenants can't do their own water bill in Hamilton now, anyways, right? 
yeah, I don't know. They're grandfathered in. I think they can, but I think if it's new... It has to be the landlord? Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. Um, but then the sewer side of it, too, yeah. like we're also running the sewer through. So when we do the basement, we run the sewer through, we sub it out the back, and then when we build, we're going to dig it out and put it connected, right? And yeah, if but you you're don't, connecting it to the sewer line of the yeah, original house. Yeah, so we're not running a separate sewer line to the street. Yeah. And um, not to say that's not possible, but I think there there's a, quite a significant cost because when you do that, oh, you yeah. get into a road cut permit or an excavation yeah. permit, which is... Like you got to pay for city certified contractors or bonded contractors to come in and cut the road. So there's like traffic involvement. Like if you're on a busy street, they're going to stop the traffic. They're going to cut the road. They're going to redo the sidewalk. I think you could cut the road yourself. <clears throat> yeah, I've but done like that, that before. But you have to pay for the city guys to come back and uh, restore it. Yeah. So, but that whole process is quite expensive, and yeah. um, they kind of have their own schedule too, and. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, so I, another story. <laughs> story time. So we had a property where we were widening the driveway. And maybe I told this before. No, we were widening the driveway. And so we had to have a section of the, like, the concrete sidewalk replaced, right? Yeah. So they come in and they change like the depression of the curb, right? So that it doesn't have a curb. It's an actual like approach, right? Yeah. So it's raised. And then we were also doing the water line. So we did our side of the work on our, our property, but then the city came and do their property. So what did they do? Well, they came and they replaced the sidewalk and I oh, have yeah, fresh concrete, looks beautiful. And then like three weeks later, they came and they dug up the concrete. They cut it all out of there. They replaced the water line. And then like two months later, they came back and redid the sidewalk. Like literally our tax dollars at work. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the different departments. But they just work, don't right? talk to each other. It's yeah. like, oh, this is still fresh. Like, it's still wet. Oh, yeah. Let's dig it out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to dig out, right? Yeah. You don't yeah. have to cut it and shovel it out. <laughs> so, so, you, I guess, let's say you have, uh, if your water line is undersized to the house, though, you may have to replace that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you have a half inch line. Yeah. Um, is that enough for three units or do you got to upgrade to three yeah, quarters? No. So inch? this, to go back to the whole process of getting the permit, like you, you have a, um, you have a hydraulic load it's called, right? So how much water supply, um, does each fixture in the house take up, right? You have a dishwasher, right. you got a, a laundry, whatever, all the different things in your house that you consume water, um, will add a certain number of units on your hydraulic load. And uh, you need to, for every whatever change in diameter of water line, you need to have X number of fixtures, right? Yeah. So if you have a single family home on a half inch line, like that might be sustainable. But the minute you add like a full kitchen, a full bathroom, a laundry, a dishwasher, a hose bib on the outside of the house or whatever, now all of a sudden you need a three quarter inch line, right? Yeah. Um, but with a detached uh, dwelling, depending on what number of fixtures you have, how many bedrooms or how big the house is, um, you might have to go to a one and a quarter or one inch line, right? So usually it's one inch line, but <clears throat> one and a quarter could be depending on how many fixtures. Right? Okay. Yeah. So there's a good chance you're going to have to replace that main water line. Yeah. And definitely if you haven't done it for like, let's say a basement conversion already, yeah. then yeah, you're going to have to. So if you're going to get into this and you're going to do it anyways, like you, you have to replace the water line. You got to do it from... Uh, for the basement unit anyways you might yeah. as well go all the way up in size um, so yeah anyways I could tell stories about that too but. <laughs> <laughs> we only got room for so many stories <laughs> um, and then your other service is going to be uh, like you could do gas or you could not do gas but yeah. definitely electricity well what appliances run on gas uh, well a furnace or a, a furnace, stove yeah or, or, a stove, a, or a laundry barbecue yeah, or maybe a, a water hot water heater, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, like the main one, I guess, would be um, your furnace. Yeah. Right. But if you're building a, an ADU, and I think most of the ones I've seen are slab on grade, so there there's no basement. Yeah. Um, so you know so a lot of room. Yeah, you're heating a, a smaller area it's uh it's slab on grade so you're not like heating the crawl space underneath or a basement and you don't really have any room to put a furnace so generally heat pumps are kind of or whatever a ductless mini split system 
um, where you have a condenser on the outside of the building and it runs off electricity. Yep. And uh, then you have a line set that runs into the house and you have a head um, on the, you know, these big four foot, we got one behind us here. Yeah. Um, and that, that does, we talked about this before, right? The heat pump episode. Everybody should go check that one out because it's <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it could do heating and cooling, right? Yeah. So with a furnace, like it's great. It might be cheaper a little bit on, uh, on your utility costs, but you also probably want an air conditioner, right? Yeah. Um, if you want to attract tenants. Yeah. And uh, tenants these days like to have all the comforts. Yeah, yeah. So it was entitled tenants. But with uh, <clears throat> but with hydro, what's nice is you can submeter it as well, right? And it's it quite easy to. Uh, it's kind of a standard way of splitting utilities. Yeah. Is to say we're going to put another meter, put another meter base on um, the stack by the house, yep. and then we're going to run conduit to the to the unit in the backyard, and then sure enough, um, you know every single appliance in the house is running off of hydro and they pay their own bills. So, um, yeah, which is much easier to, yeah. uh, like as an out. investor, um, like if this is your living space or like if your parents are living there or something like that, you might want to look at the utility cost. But if it's, uh, an investment property, generally speaking, the numbers that make more sense to you are if I can bill it to the tenants, then I don't really necessarily care. Yeah, um, they can do it. Well, it's because it's up to their usage, right? Like yeah. if they want the, the place cooking hot, they can pay for that, right? Yeah. Um, or freezing cold in the in the, uh, in summer, the summer, right? Yeah. yeah. So. <clears throat> okay, so you, yeah, that's so your main services are going to be the water, sewer, and yeah. uh, electrical, maybe gas. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Um. Okay, and so that was uh, yeah. We talked about permits. Do we finish off with the permits? I think we kind of. Well, we, yeah, we went on to like other things, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a, an idea of the full process, right? So you get your permits, you go to the city, you go back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Um, and then once the permits are approved, yeah. then you, you can do start a, to build. Then you do a dance, right? And you do a dance? That is a ceremonial ritual where you. So that's, that's item number four in our yeah. list here. Okay. Everybody write that down. Do get your engineer, get your designer, go to your stuff, pay <laughs> your fees. Chicken dance. Pay your fees. <laughs> um, yeah, but once you're, you're approved. That dance is pretty uh, light because you don't have any money in your pocket weighing you down <laughs> yeah. anymore. You just paid it all in right. fees. But there is fees. So okay, fees. I don't know. I can't rattle them off on the top of my head, but yeah, we paid fees. So like. It's lots of fees. Um, yeah. And they, they also come back at the end and reassess the value of your property too, like MPAC. Okay. Right? We'll say... Okay, Who's MPAC? I don't even know what it stands for. Municipal Property Something Assessment Corporation? I'm guessing. It's pretty good, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so something like that. They'll they'll come back and like for tax property tax purposes, they want to know like what... Well, now you have another building in the back that someone can live in while your property... Um, your property taxes are going to go up. <laughs> so how accurate are they doing that? Because yeah, you'll I'm look accurate. at property tax assessments on places and if they, because what do they come out every five, seven years or something? Yeah, and it's typically four, undervalued, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. It's just, uh, I don't even know how they do that, to be honest. But is it, do you see that. the same sort of ratio of like undervalued for... Well, so for the duplexes we've converted, um, you know, you kind of get away with it for a year, maybe two years, but then like, yeah, by the time they do their assessment, like taxes do go up Yeah, and depending on the municipality, like it could be quite significant, like, you know, 800 bucks a month or uh, a year jump, right? Yeah. 800 bucks a month. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so that's that's another cost you got to keep yeah. in mind, like uh, over the long term. Yeah, exactly. Your yeah. Uh, property tax cost. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're making it more valuable, so they're gonna. And that's one of the things that it. we talked about on the macro episodes is the uh, like real estate is a sitting duck, right? Like, yeah. Once you have this unit created, you can't deny that it's there, right? You can see it on Google Earth. Like yeah. the guy could drive by and say, "There's somebody living in there." Well, you, are you paying property taxes, right? And then yeah. they can raise it to whatever you want. And we said, "Hey, they're raising it. What is it? Fourteen percent?" Yeah. And uh, other municipalities are higher, so. Um, um, okay, but you got your permits. You've done your dance. Yeah. But you still have like an inspector to contend with, right? Yeah. Is that your main headache now? 
Uh, <laughs> I'll call them a headache. Well, you got to build the thing, right? So you got your excavation, trenching, getting the services to the unit, getting your slab or getting your foundation in place, and then building this thing. Yeah. Um, building out the interior. And you're going to have just standard building inspections along the way. Um, I'm just a little bit unclear whether there's an occupancy because it is a new dwelling unit. So I think there's an occupancy process at the end, right? If right. I remember correctly, um, because you're not renovating something like don't just need a final inspection someone can move in you actually need an occupancy inspection so it's a little bit more what uh, is that like well like they want to make sure yeah they just want to make sure that everything's um safe to be uh lived in right yeah so they're gonna test the smoke alarms they're gonna test whatever else and um kind of standard stuff but um you can't like it would be frowned upon to have someone living in there when you do the occupancy inspection. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. So you're getting inspections at various stages of construction though, yeah. right? So yeah. once you're done your foundation, like what's the first one? Uh, dep- okay, I guess it depends. So they're going to want to see if you're trenching your lines in, right? They're going to want to see that the lines are in. Um, like, like your, your sewer service, water, your, yeah, your sewers, right? Yeah. Like when you dig that out. Um, before you backfill, right? right? You want to make sure that you're whatever. Deep enough yeah, you're deep enough, enough. You're sloping, whatever, right? Um, and then once you get that in, you're doing foundation work. So if there's like a footing or something like that, you want to see a footing inspection, right? Um, but yeah, if you're just doing slab on grade, like they're going to want to see um, your prep work. So before you pour concrete, yep. that you, hey, you like, because it's, so it's an engineered slab. So it's going to have, um, insulation underneath it. It's going to have uh, gravel or like compacted base for a certain depth, right? And then it's going to have a rebar inside of it, which is like just steel holding it together so that it's right, like one piece. Yeah. Um, so all of that they want to see before you pour concrete. And then once you pour concrete, then um, you're into framing and building the structure. And there's a framing inspection, right? Before like to, to examine the structure. Um, the, the point loads are coming down where you said, right? Like yep. if you have a point load, all of a sudden you changed it and you, you put the, you put the beam and it rests on, you know, nothing and there's no footing. Then, yeah. Um, that's a problem, right? <clears throat> it might not be a problem for net right now, but <laughs> <laughs> eventually, so they're there to look out for, you know, mistakes or like, let's say your contractor made whatever, overlook something. Right. But, uh-huh. Yeah. Oh man. Inspectors. I, I don't know. We could have a, we could have a chat about that. <laughs> <laughs> Another episode. Right? Yeah, but I mean, you go through the process, you do your framing, and then you're going to do all your mechanicals, right? You're going to install wiring, plumbing, yep. um, HVAC, depending on what um, what you're running, right? If it's a heat pump. Um, and they want to see that before you cover up all the walls, right? That all yep. your mechanicals are done right. And then they want to see your insulation. And then they once once insulation's passed, your drywall, um, depending on if there's any fire rated issues, they may want to come back and see that. But generally speaking, the, la- the next inspection is just like the last final done where we're done, right? So they don't care yeah. about the trim and the paint and all that. House is safe. It's constructed well. <clears throat> and uh, yeah. So you have to call them to schedule these, right? Yeah. And you got to, do you pay for each inspection no. or are you paying a general fee? No, you don't pay in for inspections. So, I mean, some, I, I've heard of sometimes people do that yeah, just to if, pass inspection. If you do that, then... <laughs> that's, that's cash, though. <laughs> or maybe it's a coffee. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> the old days, huh? We do not recommend. The old days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have a big box of donuts in your truck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the payment for that, that's included in the permit process? Yeah, that's something that... Um, you know, if you had to pay for inspections, do you think they would happen? <laughs> or like, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> uh, they try to make it as easy as possible for you to get them. You know, you call them and the next day they come. And Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you're building it yourself, like, you know, you're probably familiar with this process. But, um, yeah, if you're, if you're hiring somebody to do it, it's good to know the various checkpoints, right? And make sure they're kind of getting done. And maybe you want to show up for them. That's always interesting. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. So yeah, most of the like, most of the heavy lifting is done beforehand with the permits, like with the drawings. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Right. And then you you know you have to have a good construction, like a good contractor. Yeah. Once you have the permit and you have like you'll have your grading plan, right? So you'll know like, yep. what way the uh, the lawn will slope, and then you'll know where your parking spot is, and you know <clears throat> where the services are going to enter and exit, and you know basically you know everything, right? And you have your finishes and your 
And then you're just executing and building. Yeah, you have your instructions. Now you gotta yeah now you build gotta the Lego it. set. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and pay for it. And that's yeah. where that's where the majority of the cost comes in, right? Because if you're um, if you own the house already, and let's say you're doing this in your backyard, yeah, um, it's not going to be a whole ton of money out of your pocket while you're doing the permits and design, right? Like it's yeah, it's it's at a few a few thousand dollars, but mm-hmm. it's not like you're you know hundreds of thousands or you know, tens of thousands of dollars um, that you're spending um, until you start kicking off with construction. Right. And then, um, so that's why it's, yeah, it's super important, especially if this is an investment property that you come in and you're prepared, right? Like the more efficiently you can go from closing on the property to permit in hand construction tenanted and with the least hiccups and the best result, yeah. like optimizing all those factors, like the better for your pocketbook, right? Because every month, presumably, you don't have the cash to do this and you're borrowing some money. Yeah. Um, there's going to be carrying costs there and you're foregoing rent as well, right? You take an extra month and there goes another month of income. So. Yeah. So, okay, in terms of uh, finishes and stuff, that's not really part of the permit process, no. right? Like nobody, city doesn't really care which what kind of countertops you have, what fixtures you have in, that kind of thing. So this is an interesting one too, because no, it doesn't really affect your permits, but it will affect uh, the other things, which is the appraisal and the tenants, right? So certain tenants might value certain finishes over the other ones, right? So you might, this is where it's important to kind of consider these things, Mm because while they don't affect whether or not you're going to get a permit, uh, they, they do affect the cost of construction, but they also affect like the rent you can get, the tenant profile you can attract, and the property value when you go to appraise it. And um, that's true for your house, it's true for an ADU, it's true for a basement suite, right? But um, yeah. kind of having an idea in mind of like, okay, my tenant profile is this, they prefer this finish, uh, they value these things and they're willing to pay for it and they have the money to pay for it. Um, and the appraisal so this is where i said in the last episode too right the appraisals are kind of up in the air because not too many of these have been built but that's going to be an interesting one right like if i just put in basic basic finishes do they just all they look at is that it's an adu and it's x number of square feet it's got to affect them somehow yeah or is it going to be quartz countertops and like top of the line everything right yeah you know so um when do you need to start thinking about finishes um in that whole process like obviously you're thinking about it right from the beginning if you're yeah. talking about your tenants because you're that's part of the whole post the inception process but when do you need to have like your finishes picked out and ready to go always uh. <laughs> <laughs> no but at what point because presumably your yeah. contractors can appreciate having like plans handed to them yeah where you're like this is what you're building go do it and there's no questions there's always questions but ideally yeah. like here build this well yeah usually if you're a savvy investor you're taking your plans and your finishes and you're getting multiple estimates right right and it, just to see and a contractor's um like it, it, for new construction with a rental um contractors might have a specific package that they might make recommend right right whereas if it's like a custom home renovation and you're spending know it's very personalized like i like this kind of kitchen cabinet and i want that right and yeah. you know that's the way you might renovate your house um they they might hold off until you have like a designer pick your finishes but um you know they might recommend certain things um, and this is where like with our company what we do is we kind of have uh we have the tenant profile in mind we have the finishes package uh, a couple, a couple of different options, and we're always constantly iterating on that in terms of what's the cost for these finishes. What's are they accessible? Can we get them right when we need them? Um, are they easy to work with? Easy to install? Like are they easy to replace down the road when your, you know, your flooring breaks or your kitchen cabinet falls apart or whatever happens, right? And you you pick a you pick a finish that is going to be basically optimized for rentals, like. Yeah, um, it's going to be durable, damage proof, but it's also going to be attractive and low cost, like all of those factors, right? So, there is a fair amount of, of consideration that we put into this stuff. Um, so, if you're just doing it, um, like, yeah, you might might not optimize it. You might 
go in there and just regret, you know, putting something in, but it's not the end of the world. Like it might be cost for you, but for us, we do it for a living. Like we try to focus on optimizing every aspect of the whole build so that. And you're managing, also managing most yeah. of these long-term, right? Yeah. So you're going to be dealing with your So we, we also see like five years down the road, what do the tenant profile we attract do to this product? And then what could we change, right? So we're always kind of refining it. Every time we have a tenant move out or we do a unit inspection or whatever, we're, we're analyzing the wear and tear on all the different stuff. Yeah. And we're saying like, you know, was it worth it to spend that on that? Was it worth it to put in like brand new appliances? Was it worth it to do uh, this kind of flooring or this kind of hardware? Or, you know, do we put in a new door? Or do yeah. we put in like a different grade window or something, right? Yeah. So you get that kind of full loop when you're looking at the process. But for most people, like you just kind of pick stuff and put it in and um, you'll do fine. It's just, yeah. if you're doing it time and time again, there's some efficiencies that you can gain. So it's nice, yeah. right? So <clears throat> maybe that's a little bit nitty gritty because. Yeah, you know. I like the nitty gritty. <laughs> I like that. Uh, um, and I think there's something, you know, maybe we could talk about this next episode um, with the tenant selection and how that influences the design process and your the finishes you pick and all that stuff. Um, I think we can dig into that uh, a little bit more next time. Um, so yeah, other other questions. I mean, I think we've talked a little bit about some of the uh, the building code and um, yeah, egress windows and room sizes. A lot of that stuff uh, on a previous episode. Um, and what, okay. Neighbors, Ooh. how do you approach neighbors when you're doing something like this? Cause let's with, say with cookies, with cookies. Okay. Homemade, homemade cookies. <laughs> <laughs> if you're Dutch, I don't know. What is it? Paper known or something? <laughs> yeah. Well, because if you're doing something as of right, yeah, you don't have to consult with anybody, right? You just go in and do your <clears throat> stuff, but yeah. Is that the best approach? <clears throat> Not necessarily. Um, yeah. So if, if, um, if you're doing any construction, it's good to be upfront with your neighbors, right? <clears throat> because it is disruptive and um, not even like if it if it's just internal inside your house, you still might have cars outside and like who knows who's going to show up, right? Yeah. Because, <clears throat> yeah, you hire a contractor, but they outsource the HVAC to some other guy. And, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. And then you don't know them necessarily, right? So um, you want to make sure that they're kind of aware um, but for an ADU, like a detached dwelling, it's going to have uh, more of an impact long term too, as well, right? And a lot of people are unfamiliar with it. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's a good practice to like discuss with your neighbors beforehand. Hey, you know what? This thing's going in. This is the plan. Like it's approved. We're, um, you know, there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you can. There let is them, nothing you can do about it. You can it. let them know that, but in a nice way. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, you can't do anything. Is that nicer? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> How much would you pay me to not put this in? I guess <laughs> yeah. <would> be the... <laughs> but okay. So generally you're going to approach the neighbors beforehand. Yeah. Just let them know, hey, here's and what we're doing. Here's the To be line. honest, I think probably the biggest concern you will run into, um, at least from our experience, has been parking, right? Because once right. the unit's in your backyard, like there's a fence unless the people are partying and like you're really not that disruptive yeah and there's maybe lights in the backyard now but you know most people have blinds shut anyways and don't really care um so it's it's parking and accessing right like you have this other third person who's walking around this house and where is he parking right but um depending on your your situation right like if it's all street parking and there's no room the neighbors might be quite concerned yeah and that has actually been uh, a reason why the cities have taken so long to kind of get to where we are now with the regulations because of parking. And it continues to be too, right? One of yeah. the big factors is, um, and then neighbors constantly bring this up is, you know, there's just simply not enough parking spots. Our cities weren't designed for this kind of density. Um, which is true. Yeah. Which is true. Like we don't have public transit running in a great network across every little aspect of the city so then it's hard for uh, people to live without a car so then everybody has a car and now you triple the population in that area and speaking of that like tripling the population in an area with having three units on every lot 
you're tripling the amount of consumption of water and whatever and then you're also tripling the waste yeah and uh yeah so like the sewer systems are gonna have issues with capacity like i can see you know it's it's a it's kind of a short-term fix from a a macro scale where the cities are saying look let's put these in because they're easy like we just open up the regulations and all these investors pop things in and people are kind of housed but you know there could be situations where you know you have a rainstorm and all of a sudden like there's some backups and yeah whatever we get into more issues right and the capacity doesn't work um with the existing infrastructure so it could be you know 10 15 years from now we're replacing a lot of the sewer and uh under the road infrastructure yeah so which yeah hey what do you want to do i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it's uh that's how she goes (laughs) Could be China and build a new city from scratch and plan for a certain amount of density, but we're here in <laughs> yeah. Canada. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not doing too much of that anymore. So, <laughs> no. okay, okay. I think that was a pretty good uh, run through of um, of sort of the process of building an ADU. And uh, yeah, maybe next time we'll talk a little bit about um, so, yeah, a little bit more cerebral thing like the you cerebral. know tenant selection. Ooh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, just the sort of the thought behind the design process, yeah, yeah. tenant selection, how that in influences that, and uh, and a few other things. Sounds um, good. And maybe some uh, I don't know. Maybe we can talk about some options for or alternatives to ADUs. Are there any alternatives? And uh, I like me a nice trailer park, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so uh. we'll do that. All right, we'll get into that next time. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks for listening, folks. And until next time, steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely.